0: chapter eighteen of tales of laughter this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox tales of laughter by nora archibald smith and kate douglas wiggin chapter eighteen jack and the king who was a gentleman well children once upon a time when pigs were swine there was a poor widdy woman lived all alone with her one son jack in a wee hut of a house that on a dark night ye might easily walk over it by mistake not knowing at all at all it was there barring ye'd happen to strike your toe agin it and jack and his mother lived for lee and long as happy as hard times would allow them in this wee hut of a house jack striving to earn a little support for them both by working out and doing wee turns back and for'ard to the neighbours but there was one winter and time's come to look black enough for them nothing to do and less to ate, and clothe themselves as best they might and the winter wore on getting harder and harder till at length when jack got up out of his bed on a morning and asked his mother to make ready the drop of stirabout for their little brakwuss as usual Musha Jack Armich,' ah, said his mother, "'and she, the maelchist, thanks be to the Lord, "'is as empty as Paddy Ruith's donkeys, that used to eat his breakfasts, at supper-time. "'It stood out long and well, but it's empty at last, Jack, "'and no sign of how we're going to get it filled again, "'only we trust in the good Lord "'that niver yet deserted the widow and the orphan. "'He'll not see us wanting, Jack the lord helps them that helps themselves mother said jack back again to her through for ye jack says she but i don't see how we're going to help ourselves he's a martial dead mule out and out that hasn't a kick in him says jack and mother with the help of providence not comparing a christian to the brute based i have a kick in me yet "'If you thought you could only manage to strive along the best way you could "'for a week, or maybe two weeks, till I get back again off a little journey "'I'd like to undertake.' "'And may I make bold to axe, Jack?' said his mother to him. "'Where would you be after making the little journey to?' "'You may that, then, mother,' says Jack. "'It's this. You know the King of Munster is a great gentleman entirely?' it's put on him he's so gentlemanly that he was never yet known to make use of a wrong or disrespectful word and he prides himself on it so much that he has sent word all over the known earth that he'll give his beautiful daughter the loveliest picture in all munster and maybe in all ireland if we'd say it and her weight in gold to any man that in three trials will make him use the unrespectful word and say "'You're a liar.' "'But every man that tries him and fails loses his head. "'All sorts and descriptions of people, "'from princes and peers down to bagmen and beggars, "'have come from all parts of the known world "'to thrive for the great prize, and all of them, "'up to this, has failed, and by consequence lost their heads. "'But, mother dear,' says Jack, "'where's the use in a head to a man "'if he can't get mail for it to eight?' "'so I'm going to thry me fortune, "'only axing for your blissin' and God's blissing "'to help me on me way.' "'Why, Jack, a sage,' said his mother, "'it's a dangersome task, "'but as you remark, where's the good of the head to you "'when ye can't get mail to put in it? "'So I'll give you me blessin', "'and night, noon, and morning I'll be praying for you to prosper.' "'And Jack set out.' with his heart as light as his stomach and his pocket as light as them both together but a man'll not travel far in old ireland thanks be to god on the barefooted stomach as we'll call it or if it's be his own fault if he does and jack didn't want for plenty of first-class eating and drinking, lashins and lavins and pressin him to more and in this way he travelled away afore him for five long days till he come to the king of munster's castle and when he was come there he rattled on the gate and out come the king well me man says the king what might be your business here i'm come here your kingship says jack mighty polite and pull his forelock be his poor old mother had always instructed him in the height of good breeding i'm come here your royal highness says jack to try for your daughter hum says the king me good young man, says he, don't you think it a poor thing to lose your head? If I lose it, says Jack, sure one consolation'll be, I'll lose it in a glorious cause. And who do you think would be listening to this same deluderin speech of Jack's from over the wall, but the king's beautiful daughter herself? She took an eyeful out of Jack, and right well pleased she was with his appearance, for— "'Father,' says she at once, "'hasn't the boy as good a right to get a chance as another? "'What's his head to you? "'Let the boy in,' says she. And "'Sure enough, without another word, "'the king took Jack within the gates "'and handing him over to the servants, "'told him to be well looked after and cared for till morning. "'Next morning, the king took Jack with him "'and fetched him out of the yard. "'Now then, Jack,' says he, "'we're going to begin.' "'We'll drop into the stables here, and I'll give you your first chance.' "'So he took Jack into the stables and showed him some wonderful big horses, "'the likes of which poor Jack never saw afore, "'and every one of which was the height of the side wall of the castle "'and could step over the castle walls, "'which were twenty-five feet high without straining themselves. "'Them's pretty big horses, Jack,' says the king i don't suppose ever ye saw as big or as wonderful as them in your life oh they're pretty big indeed says jack taking it as cool as if there was nothing whatsoever astonishing to him about them they're pretty big indeed says jack for this country but at home with us in donegal we'd only count them little nags suitable for the young ladies to drive in pony carriages what says the king "'Do you mean to tell me you have seen bigger in Donegal?' "'Bigger,' says Jack. Phew, blood alive, your kingship! "'I seen horses in my father's stable "'that could step over your horses without trippin'. "'My father owned one big horse, "'the greatest, I believe, in the world again.' "'What was he like?' says the king. "'Well, your highness,' says Jack, "'it's quite beyond me to tell ye what he was like. But I know when we wanted to mount, it could only be done by means of a stepladder, with nine hundred and ninety-nine steps to it, every step a mile high, and you had to jump seven mile off the topmost step to get on his back. He ate nine ton of turnips, nine ton of oats, and nine ton of hay in a day, and it took ninety-nine men in the daytime and ninety-nine more in the night time carrying his feeds to him and when he wanted a drink the ninety-nine men had to lead him to a lough that was nine mile long nine mile broad and nine mile deep and he used to drink it dry every time says jack and then he looked at the king expecting surely to have made a liar of him for that but the king only smiled at jack and says he jack that was a wonderful horse entirely and no mistake then he took Jack with him out into the garden for his second trial and showed him a bee-skep the size of the biggest rick of hay ever Jack had seen. And every bee in the skep was the size of a thrush and the queenie bee as big as a jackdaw. Jack, says the king, says he, isn't them wonderful bees? I'll warrant ye never saw anything like them. Oh, they're middlin', middlin' fairish, says Jack for this country. But they're nothing at all to the bees we have in Donegal. If one of our bees was flying across the fields, says Jack, and one of your bees happened to come in its way and fall into our bee's eye, our bee would fly to the skep and ask another bee to take the mote out of his eye. Do you tell me so, Jack? says the king. You must have great monsters of bees. Monsters, said Jack ah your highness monsters is no name for some of them i remember says jack says he a mighty great breed of bees my father owned they were that big that when my father's new castle was a-building in the steadin of the old one which he conserved to be too small for a man of his manes and when the workmen closed in the roof it was found there was a bee inside and the hall door not being wide enough they had to toss the side wall to let it out Then the Queenie Bee, ah, she was a wonderful beast entirely, says Jack. Whenever she went out to take the air, she used to overturn all the ditches and hedges in the country. The wind of her wings tossed houses and castles. She used to swallow whole flower gardens. And one day she flew against a ridge of mountains 19,000 feet high and knocked a piece out from top to bottom. And it's called Barnsmore Gap to this day. "'This Queenie Bee was a great trouble and annoyance to my father, "'seeing all the harm she done, the neighbours round about. "'And once she took it in her head to fly over to England. "'And she created such mischief and desolation there, "'that the King of England wrote over to my father, "'if he didn't come immediately, and take home his Queenie Bee, "'that was racking and ruining all afore her. "'He come over himself at the head of all his army "'and wipe my father off the face of the earth.' so my father ordered me to mount our wonderful big horse that i told you about and that could go nineteen mile at every step and go over to england and bring home our queenie bee. and i mounted the horse and started and when i come as far as the sea i had to cross to get over to england i put the horse's two forefeet into my hat and in that way she thrashed the sea dry all the way across and landed me safely when i come to the king of england he had to supply me with nine hundred and ninety-nine thousand men and ninety-nine thousand mile of chains and ropes to catch the queenie bee and bind her it took us nine years to catch her nine more to tie her and nine years and nine millions of men to drag her home and the king of england was a beggar after from that day till the day of his death now what d'ye think of that bee says jack thinking he had the king this time sure enough but the king was a cuter one than Jack took him for and he only smiled again and says he well Jack that was a wonderful great Queenie bee entirely next for poor Jack's third and last chance the king took him to show him a wonderful field of beans he had with every beanstalk 15 feet high and every bean the size of a goose's egg well Jack says the king says he i'll engage ye never saw more wonderful beanstalks than them is it them says jack ah man your kingship says he they may be very good for this country but sure we'd throw them out of the ground for useless aftershoots in donegal i mind one beanstalk in particular that my father had for a show and a curiosity that he used to show as a great wonder entirely to strangers it stood on ninety-nine acres of ground it was nine hundred mile high and every leaf covered nine acres it fed nine thousand horses nine thousand mules and nine thousand jackasses for nineteen years he used to send nine thousand harvestmen up the stalk in spring to cut and gather off the soft branches at the top they used to cut these off when they'd reach up as far as them which was always in the harvest time and throw them down, and nine hundred and ninety-nine horses and carts were kept busy for nine months carting the stuff away. Then the harvestman always reached down to the foot of the stalk at Christmas again. "'Fay, Jack,' said the king, "'it was a wonderful beanstalk, that entirely.' "'You might say that,' says Jack, trying to make the most of it, for he was now on his last leg. "'You might say that,' says he, why i mind one year i went up the stalk with the harvest men, and when i was nine thousand mile up doesn't i miss a foot and down i come i fell feet foremost and sunk up to my chin in a winston rock that was at the foot there i was in a quandary but i was not long ruminating till i hauled out my knife and cut off my head and sent it home to look for help i watched after it as i went away "'and lo and behold ye, afore it had gone half a mile, "'I saw a fox set on it and begin to worry it. "'By this and by that,' says I to myself, "'but this is too bad. "'And I jumped out and away as hard as I could run "'to the assistance of my head. "'And when I come up, I lifted my foot and give the fox three kicks "'and knocked three kings out of him, "'every one of them, a nicer and a better gentleman than you.' "'You're a liar and a rascally liar,' says the king. "'More power to ye,' says Jack, giving three buck-leaps clean into the air. "'And it's proud I am to get you to confess it, for I have won your daughter.' "'Right enough. The king had to give up to Jack, the daughter. "'And by the same token, from the first time she clapped her two eyes on Jack, "'she wasn't the girl to gainsay him. "'And her weight in gold.' AND THEY WERE BOTH OF THEM MARRIED, AND HAD SUCH A WEDDING AS SURPASSED ALL THE WEDDINGS EVER WAS HEARD TELL OF afore, OR SINCE, IN THAT COUNTRY, OR IN THIS, AND JACK LOST NO TIME IN SENDING FOR HIS POOR OLD MOTHER, AND NEITHER HERSELF NOR JACK EVER AFTER KNEW WHAT IT WAS TO BE IN WANT. AND MAY YOU AND I NEVER KNOW THAT SAME NEITHER. END OF CHAPTER Eighteen.